to our message today. Uh, we've been in a series over the last six weeks or so. This is actually part six of our series called Jesus. The series has been called Jesus. And what we've been doing is we've been highlighting just some characteristics and attributes and facts about Jesus uh, that, we wanted to, that we wanted to share with you all as, as a church family. And, and this series, we could go on and on and on. I mean, we could just continue on forever talking about the characteristics and attributes of Jesus, specifically in this series. But I knew that we had to bring this series in and of itself to a close. And so what I wanted to do is for today, I wanted to close out this series talking on the subject, Jesus is coming again. Soon, you're right. Jesus is coming again. Now, I got to be honest. I know there, there, there are some mixed feelings about this subject, surprisingly enough, even within this church. And let me explain to you what I mean. When we talk about Jesus coming again, we're, we're talking about the last days. We're talking about the end times. And so there's, the reason why I say there's mixed feelings with this is because uh, there's one group of people here, you love talking about this. Like whenever, whenever it's subject of the end times comes, the book of Revelation is like your favorite book in the Bible. And, and, and you're all about the end times. You're all about the last days and end time prophecy. You've seen all the left behind movies. You've read all the left behind books. Like, like that, that subject matter just excites you and it just, it, it encourages you. It builds you up. You're like, yes, I can't wait for Jesus to come back. And that, and that subject excites you. We've had, there's one right there, right? Like, that, there's that group of people that are in here today. But there's also another group of people in, in here today that don't quite feel the same way. And let me explain to you what I mean. There are some of you in here today that when I said this title, Jesus is coming again, and began to talk about the last days, there may be some in here today that for, for, for a moment got frightened maybe became afraid, grew a little fearful. The, the, the thought of the last days, the thought of the end times, the thought of the book of Revelation, like, like that subject matter sometimes uh, causes a little fear, even with some within the church. And, and, and it's and, and I'm not calling anybody out on that because the reality is I've, in my lifetime, I've been a part of that, of both camps with that. I've, I've been where I've been so like into it and like, yeah, can't wait. And then I get to the point where like, well, wait a second, last days, the end of days, the end times, like, whoa, wait a second. And even, even as a kid, you know, as a kid, I remember seeing certain movies that came out, movies even before the Left Behind series. Anybody here remember those older movies that came out, like in, I don't know if it was the 70s or 80s or whatever, about the last days and the end times and the rapture, and one was called like The Mark of the Beast, and uh, well, I don't even remember the names of all the other ones, but I remember watching those movies as a kid, and I was like, whoa, wait a second, that's some scary stuff. And so it's no wonder that, that, that the talk of the last days or the end of days or end time prophecy can, can sometimes uh, uh, 
cause a little fear in some people. And I think the reason why there's fear in some people is I think there's still a lack of understanding of what it really means. And so what I want to do this morning is in our time together, I want to take a few moments here, and I can't really give an exhaustive study on this like I, like I really want to, but, but just in our time together, my hope is as we talk about this subject, I'm praying and believing that this will be one of the most encouraging messages you've ever heard on this subject. And hopefully it brings some understanding and clarity about the coming of Jesus in that we don't have to be afraid. But we can be just as excited as Miss Sana is. She shouts about that because she knows. She knows how this is such an encouraging thing to talk about. She knows how this is such an encouraging fact about our faith. And so we're going to get into that for a few moments. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? All right, let's do it. If you have your Bible this morning, go with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Now, let me get us up to speed here and show you where we're at right now. Uh, Jesus died on the cross for the sin of humanity. Uh, He died. Three days later, he resurrected from the dead. And Jesus decides to stick around after his resurrection. He sticks around for about 40 days or so. And he's hanging out with his disciples and his friends, and he's going amongst the town. He's talking with people. And he's, if you go back and read the Gospels, you even read where he's like walking through walls and stuff like that. Like, like he's, he, he's walking around for 40 days in his glorified body. He's, he, he's resurrected from the dead. And so for 40 days, he's hanging out with his friends. And he's continuing to share and to preach and teach Well, one of the final things that he shares uh, to his disciples is the fact that he's he's given them a mandate. He's given them a job to do. And he begins to tell them in Acts chapter 1, his disciples gather around him and they and they say, hey, okay, Jesus, like, so is now is the time, right? You're resurrected and all, and that's great. But, like, is now, in the, t- now is the time you're going to establish your kingdom and, and restore all things and make things right? You're, now you're going to overturn everything, and, and we're just ready to run in the, in the kingdom of God here on earth. And, and Jesus is like, look, it, I know you want all that, but it's not for you to know the time nor the hour when that's happening. But in the meantime, verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to empower you so that you can talk to the whole world about me. It's not for you to know the time or the hour when, when, when the end of days is coming, when the last days are. It's, it's not for you to know that time. But, but, but what it is important for you to know is that I am empowering you with the Holy Spirit to talk about me. And now it brings us to verse 9. Verse 9 says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. So let's stop right there for a moment. Imagine this scene. Jesus says, hey, man, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses, to talk about me. And as he finishes what he's saying, he starts elevating off the ground. 
Like, it's the ultimate mic drop. Like, 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 that's the ultimate way to end a message. Just start floating. And he's just floating and floating. And the disciples are like, are in awe. They're just watching him. Watching him just, just elevate into the sky to the point where he disappears into the clouds. And it says they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Did you catch that? He said, look, why are you still here watching him? The way that you saw him leave is the same way you will see him return. Right? But here's what's interesting about that statement. That hasn't happened yet. Jesus hasn't returned yet. Which means that there is a possibility that in our lifetime, our generation could see this very thing. That the same way you saw him leave, the same physical form of Jesus that you saw, the same way you saw him ascend into heaven, is the same way you will see him return. And so he's, they're giving us this, 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 this prophetic word, this, this foreshadowing of what's about to happen. And thus, now we're talking about this subject, Jesus is coming again because he hasn't returned yet. We have his Holy Spirit, but we don't see the physical Jesus around here. We, we don't see that. We don't, so, so, so that hasn't happened yet, which means that, 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 that sometime in the future, we could see that happen. That, that just stirs me up a little bit. I don't know about you. And so now we take it a step further, and let's talk about what we do know about the return of Christ. Let's, let's kind of get into this a little bit deeper, hopefully to give us just a little bit of understanding of what this really means. Now, uh, there's really, there's going to be a moment where Jesus returns to the earth, and he touches the earth. He touches the soil of the earth. There's going to be that moment. But there is a moment that precedes that. There's a moment that precedes that, and it's a term you may or may not be familiar with. It's a term called the rapture. And there's a point where Jesus, Jesus is going to do something tremendous where he's going, to, he's going to arrive in the clouds. And he's going to call us to him. That's, that's different, right? Right? That's different. And, and, and so even saying that, for some folks, it's like, well, wait a second. This is weird. Like, I've never heard that before. There's a moment that precedes where Jesus comes to the earth. There's a moment where he, 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 he stops in the clouds and he calls us to him. And so we're going we're gonna to talk specifically about that here for a few moments because I want us to get excited about it. I want us to get some understanding about the coming of Jesus. Uh, the first thing that we can know about the coming of Jesus is the fact that he will come unexpectedly. 
He will come unexpectedly. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, it says, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So, right, so they're asking the question of the hour. Well, when's this going to happen? What will be the sign of your coming? And Jesus doesn't give them a day or the hour, but I do believe in Matthew 24, he does give them a season. He doesn't give us a specific time, but he gives us a season. And so Jesus, in, in, verse, in chapter 24, begins to list out some characteristics of the season. He says, well, there will be wars and rumors of wars, kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. And basically, he says, the earth is, is, is it's the beginning of these birthing pains of the end. And so he lays out this season uh, of, of the last days, this season uh, of his coming return. And, and, and we could argue for a moment and say, well, there's been wars for centuries now. That's, wars has always been. Kingdoms against kingdom, that's, that's always been. There's, there, there, there's been that stuff, and I, I'll give you that. That's always been. So how do we know that we could be in that season now? That's, that's been going on for centuries. And then he goes on to say, well, then there's famines and then there's earthquakes. And, and, and some would even argue the fact that, that are we seeing more famine and earthquakes and, and natural disasters now in our time than they did in previous times? Maybe so. So he's, he's, he's giving us uh, 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 characteristics of the season of the last days. But here's what's so cool. None of those are the tripwire for his coming return. He just tells us, yeah, this stuff is going to be going on, but that's not, go that's not what's going to prompt me for coming back. That's not what's going to get me to come back. But instead, in verse 14, chapter 24, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will will come. It's not the earthquakes. It's not the wars. It's not the famine. So that stuff will be happening in that season. It's not that that's prompting my return. But what will prompt my return is that the glorious gospel message will be preached all around the world. And then the end will come. Every single person all over the world will hear about me. This is why I think, man, that season, if we're not in it now, then it's pretty close. Because thanks to the World Wide Web, we can clearly see how this gospel can we spread all around the world. I mean, think about it. News on one end of the world can get to, to the far end of the world in a matter of seconds. And so what that means is every day that the gospel is being shared and spread all over the world through the internet. They didn't have that in the early church. 
That wasn't even a thought in the early church. They didn't, they didn't understand that. They didn't quite fathom that. But, but, but now we see in our day and age, we're like, yo, that could, that could, that's happening now. That's happening at this moment. And so we don't know the day or the time or the hour, but I believe we do know the season. And Jesus is telling us, though I'm coming unexpectedly, I'm telling you the season in which I'm coming. Chapter 24, verse 40 says, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the hand mill and one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. He's coming back unexpectedly. I, I remember uh, when we first came to faith, our family first came to faith, and I'm an 80s kid. I don't know if you knew that or not. The 80s is like one of the best decades ever. Uh, uh, it's one of the best. That's why, that's why y'all be trying to dress like the 80s, so don't act like y'all don't think the 80s. Like, yeah, y'all be trying to dress like the 80s. Like, Chris, this right here, man, it's straight 80s, bro. It's straight 80s. But I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. I'm a child of the 80s. I love the 80s. But, but I remember uh, when, when we first came to faith, and, and one thing that was a constant in our home was Christian television. Christian television was just a constant in our home. And uh, I remember one specific time, there was this one gentleman, I believe that was on this network. I don't know if he was, he was a pastor or he was an author of some sort. And he wrote this book. And, and, and let me get the title right, because I, I don't want to miss this right. The, the, the title of the book is this, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. Y'all remember that? Does anybody remember that? 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. Well, when I heard that, I'm like, wow, like, that's like a few years from now. And so, and so the, the, the church, at least in our circles, was in this frenzy of like, wow, well, what if? 88 reasons why the rapture will happen in 1988. So the Christian networks were like, they were sending out, the, they were sending out these uh, uh, public service announcements or something like that. Like, in the event of the rapture, here's what you need to do. And so they were doing these different things, and, and, and they, people were getting excited about it and all that stuff. And the church like, yeah, he's coming, he's coming. Well, 1988 came. But Jesus didn't. And then he turned around and rewrote a book. Like, actually, it's actually 1992 that he's coming. Like, I made a mistake. It wasn't really 88. It was like 92. And then 92 came, and it was like, oh, no, it was 95. And, and so on and on and on. And so all that to say is this. No one knows. No one knows when he's coming back. So, so, so the next time, just as a, as a pastor to, to you guys today, uh, if, if somebody comes up to you, Hugo, and says, hey, Hugo, you know what? The Lord gave me this special revelation, and, and he told me when he's coming back. You just look at them nicely and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. You ain't got to be mean about it. Just be like, no, no, you don't. Because the, the Bible, Jesus himself doesn't give us a time or a day why do you know something Jesus doesn't know? He will come unexpectedly. Men will be walking around doing their normal activity. Women will be walking around doing some normal activity, normal life. The Bible says one will be taken away. One will be left behind. 
It's talking about this, 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 this idea of this rapture where the Lord comes and he calls us. And so he's coming unexpectedly. And so I, I don't want you to be, uh, uh, again, I don't want you to be discouraged by this or, or fearful about this, but I want you to be encouraged because not only is he coming unexpectedly, the Bible also says that he's coming for his church. Who's the church? That's us. That's those of us that have said, I choose to follow Jesus. And the Bible says that he is coming for his church. That is his motivation for coming again. People think the Lord's motivation for coming is just to destroy everything. Oh, man, he's coming back. Oh, you know, but no, his motivation is to come get his church, to come get you and me. John chapter 14, verse 3. He says, and if I go, talk, this is Jesus talking, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. My motivation for coming back is to come get you. I don't want to be away from you. I want you to see what I've prepared for you. I want you to see what I've got for you. He's coming back for his church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. I love that statement right there. For the Lord himself, meaning he's not sending a representative. He's not sending an angel. The Lord himself will come down from heaven. And with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Right? Says the Lord will come down. He's coming down himself. And he's going to call out to us. He's going to call us from the clouds. A loud voice, the call of God. And it says the dead in Christ will rise first. This was so cool. Those loved ones that have gone on before you in Jesus, the Bible says they're called out first. And then us, those who are still roaming earth, those who are still alive, says that we will meet them in the clouds. I call that the ultimate family reunion. Think about that. The ultimate family reunion. Like, what's that going to be like when we get to the clouds? Like, oh, hey, man, I've missed you. To see your loved ones that have already gone before you. A reunion in the clouds. Man, that stirs me up. I don't know about you. But he's coming for his church. He's coming to get us. He's coming to take us and to show us what he has prepared for us. Matthew chapter 25 verse 34 says, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That day when he says, man, take your inheritance. What is that? Man, this kingdom that has been prepared for you, this place that I have prepared for you, that is yours. That is yours. I'm giving it to you. 
That's why, that's why this thought of heaven, some people have, a, have an altered view about heaven. That's why I don't think y'all get excited about heaven like y'all should. See, some people have this view of heaven that you're just going to be up in the clouds uh, with, with, with fat, naked babies around you playing a harp, and you think that's just all it's going to be. You just think, hey, this is just what it is. I'm just relaxing. Some of you might like that, though, right? Some of you might like, I just want to chill out in the clouds. I don't want to do nothing. But that's our view of heaven. For some folks, they're like, that's nothing to get excited about. That, that, that's really nothing to get excited about. Like, I don't want to be up there with some fat babies singing in the clouds with a heart. Like, I don't, that, nothing about that excites me. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. There's a place with no pain, no sickness, no sadness, no death, no funerals, no politics, no taxes, no deception. None of that. A place full of joy, a place full of peace, a place that he himself has prepared for us. That's what I'm coming to take you to. That's why I'm coming to get you. Because I want you to see. I want you to see what I've done for you. I want you to see what's been going on behind the scenes. He's coming for his church. He's coming for you and for me. And so we, 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 we see this, right? He's, he's coming unexpectedly. We don't know when he's coming. He, he's coming for his church. He's coming to take us. He's coming to call us out, meet him in the clouds. But another reality I think we have to face and be really honest about, too, is the fact that he's also coming to judge the earth. We, we can't just flash over that. He is coming to judge because he's a just God. He's coming to judge the earth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on that day, on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. So a fact is judgment is coming. There's no getting around that, but God in, in all his grace and all his mercy, he's giving us time. He's given us time. God has been patient with us. In all my junk, in all my mess, in all my rebellion, all my sin, all my wickedness, God has been patient with me. He's been giving me time. In the same way, he's been giving you time. Isaiah 55 verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
What? Is there going to be a time we don't find him? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Man, seek the Lord while he may be found. I don't know who that word is for this morning. But if you're not seeking him now, I trust you come to the realization that God is being patient with you. God wants you to seek him. God doesn't want you to be one of the ones that's just left. He's given us time. He's given us an opportunity. So he will come and judge the earth. That's a fact. But what is our response to the return of Jesus? What is our response to this? What is our response to to Jesus coming back? What is our response to this now? Like, like I don't see him now. I don't hear the shout now. So I'm living my life. What is our response to this? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, uh, he says this. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. In other words, he's saying, after everything that's been said about his coming and the kingdom of God, all these different things, in the meantime, I give you this charge. And in the same way this morning, I give you this charge. For those of us who are still here, Those of us who are still here, there are three things, if you're taking notes, and I pray you are, and I hope you are this morning, there are three things that I believe we should do while we wait. The first is this, write this down, number one, we've got to reach people. We've got to reach people. What are you doing to reach people? Are you sharing your faith? Are you telling people about Jesus? Are you you sharing with people what the Lord has done in your life? Because the harsh reality is we have family members that might not be coming with us. We have friends that might not be coming with us. We have co-workers, we have people we run into the street, you can look around. The reality is not everybody is joining us on that day. But in the meantime, what are you doing to reach people? What are you doing to share this truth about Jesus to others? What are you doing? If this is such a great truth, and this is such a great reality for us to come, why would we not talk about it? Why would we not talk about it? I was I was watching uh, I was watching uh, uh, some YouTube videos some years ago, and it was uh, uh, it was this YouTube clip of, of cancer survivors, right? And I'll never forget it, and I've used this illustration before, but it's so telling, it's so true for where we're at. The, the, the moment that they, they find out that they're cancer-free, they have them go ring this bell. Ding, 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 ding. And everybody cheers and they celebrate. Today I'm cancer-free. I'm cancer-free. There's no cancer in me. 
and they're jumping, they're shouting, they're crying. It's such a glorious moment. Why? Because they received some good news. And I remember watching that and I got convicted. I feel like the Holy Spirit convicted me in that moment. And I felt like he was telling me, Chris, why, why aren't you ringing the bell for me? Like, 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 why aren't you getting that excited for me? Why aren't you willing to speak openly and to share openly with those that are around you, with your loved ones, with your friends? Like, like why aren't you talking about me? We've got to reach people. Who are you reaching? And it's an ongoing tension that we have as Christians. Because I want the Lord to come. I want him to come. They're like, come Lord Jesus. Like, I look at all the evil, I look at all the wickedness, all the mess that's going on in the world. And, and I'm like, God, this is horrible. Jesus, if you could just come now. Just come now. And then on the other side of that tension is the fact of, but wait. There's people that won't be coming with me. There's people that I say that I love that I haven't quite shared this news with yet. Who are you reaching? Who are you reaching? The second thing we must do, write this down, number two. Not only must we reach people, share this good news with the world but we as believers we must stay focused on eternity we must stay focused on eternity yes we live in a broken world that has a broken system all this world is falling things are going bad there's situations in my life that are that are not good there's problems there's issues that are happening i don't know what's going to happen next week like all these different things that are coming but what you need to realize is that all that is temporary but if we could just set our sights on eternity if we could just set our sights on what is to come that no matter what I'm going through now will pale in comparison to what the Lord has set before my future. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says, while we wait for this blessed hope. What is this blessed hope? Man, the, the, the promises of God. While we wait for this blessed hope for our future, we wait. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What are we focusing on? Are we getting wrapped up in things that really don't have any eternal significance at all? Because let me tell you something this morning. God only involves himself with things that have eternal purposes. You want God involved in your life? What are you doing that has eternal purpose? See, we got to shift our focus. Yeah, we got to live life. Yeah, we got to do normal life things. And, and, and we got to have a, our family. We got to do our responsibility, our responsible things to do. But ultimately, in the end, we got to look to eternity. 
and say the troubles that I'm facing now is just temporary. I'm not going to get caught up and wrapped up in things that don't have any eternal purposes. We got to stay focused on eternity. And the third and final thing I charge all of us to do. Not only do we got to reach people, not only do we got to stay focused on eternity. But number three is we got to be ready. We got to be ready. We got to be ready. So what does that mean? What does that look like for us? In closing, let me read this. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? How should we live our life? Now that we know that truth, how should we be living our life? Well, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. So he's saying, look, now that you know that truth, now that you heard all that was said this morning, how should you live? He says, holy and godly lives. one of the most important questions that I'll ask you this morning is, are you ready? Are you ready for the Lord's return? Are you ready? Are you living a holy life? Well, what does holy mean? Holy simply means set apart. It means different. means not like the world lives, meaning not like the world's ways of thinking. We, we live differently. We live set apart. We live godly lives. That's in how we do life. That's in how we do family. That's in how we do marriage. It's how we do our finances, how we do parenting, all these different things. Is it, is it godly? Is it distinct? Is it different? Are you ready? Are you ready? 